And I always knew deep in my heart, if I do sober up, I can do anything I want to. I understood that sobriety will become my superpower, and it did. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Guten Tag and hello. That was the voice of Mimi F. that you heard at the beginning of this episode and you are going to be hearing so much more from her in just a moment. But you are probably asking yourself first off, John M., why do you try to impress us with your German speaking skills? Well, that will become very obvious as we get going into this episode. But first things first, this episode is brought to you by Elizabeth, Gerhard, Allison, and Trudy. Do you know what Elizabeth, Gerhard, Allison, and Trudy did? Well, they ladies and gents, went to our website, SoberSpeak.com. They clicked on the little yellow PayPal tab and they made a contribution. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, Gerhard, Allison, and Trudy. This episode is coming right out to you. Actually had a special request. She wanted me to say super happy birthday to Eric A in Denver. She says, I hope it's a fantastic year, Eric A in Denver from. So Mr. Eric A, happy birthday out there in the Denver area. If any of you would like to join the super secret Facebook group, please feel free to send me your email that is associated with your Facebook account to John, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com, and we will get you right in that group. If you want to follow us, and I said, when I say us, it is actually, okay, so here's here's the deal. With the Instagram account, I, moi, your uh, humble host here, is the one who answers all the direct messages, and I keep up with all the communication in there. But Miss Cassandra, who I have spoken about in the past, is the one who makes pretty much all the posts that are in there, all that, all those good looking posts and all the quotes from the speakers that we have. And Miss Cassandra, I haven't said it in a while, but thank you so much for your service work. I so, so much appreciate it. All right. So, uh, oh, by the way, if you want to follow us on, uh, at, uh, an Instagram is at sober speak, all one 
word. All right, so we're going to go right into the episode here today because it is chock full of nuts. So it's Miss Mimi F. And we are calling this one, Sobriety is My Superpower. And Mimi was born in Croatia, which was Yugoslavia at the time. She now lives in Germany, and she was actually vacationing in Italy when we recorded this particular episode. Mimi's been sober since August of 2018. Mimi discusses her life as an actress and uh, traveling and attempting to stay sober while being an actress. And although she was a, quote, functional alcoholic. She was going downhill quick. We talk about her first drink. Uh, we talk about her first AA meeting, how it was a dark cellar uh, full of smoke. And why do they always stick us in the dark cellars? <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, she talks about her disease to please she talks about her daughter's heartbreak that Mimi that, that that her daughter experienced when Mimi could not stop drinking and how her daughter thought that she had actually passed away and about how that memory still lives with Mimi. Mimi creates a gratitude list and she talks about the skill of doing that and how it actually helps her. Oh, and as a bonus, yes, if that's not enough, a helicopter landed on the building during our conversation, it was kind of like from my perspective, like a uh, an action film, right? I thought like maybe Arnold Schwarzenegger or Bruce Willis or Sylvester Stallone or somebody like that was going to kick the doors in and get in on the episode, but that never happened. But it was kind of cool to have uh, a helicopter landing on the roof as we were recording. So anyway... That's enough of that. We will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this episode, but buckle up and enjoy the ride with Miss Mimi F. See you on the other side of the episode. Okay, everybody. So today we are sitting here with the one and only Miss Mimi F. So Mimi F, why don't you go ahead? First off, you're giggling over there. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and... uh, uh, say your name, which I've already said, introduce yourself and give your sobriety date if you so wish to do so, please. Yes, um, my name is Mimi F. I am living in Germany from Croatia originally, and my sobriety date is not so recently far away. It's the 15th of August, 2018. Two years. 15th of August, 2018? Yes. Well, you know, I mean, that's, that's two years and, oh, that's great. We just passed your two-year anniversary. So, and, and I guess what you're saying, uh, maybe you listen to the podcast, you know, some of the people we have on here have some extended sobriety, yeah. uh, but two years, I mean, my goodness, I remember when I first had one year and I thought, oh my goodness, this is, uh, this is out of the world and uh, uh, congratulations on your two years. That's great. Thank you very, very much. I know two years is not. 20 years or 10 years, but um, I never thought, I mean, I wished for, but I never thought I'd make a year or a month or 10 days. So two years is like, well, the world to me. Oh, it should be too. And it's all one day at a time for all of yes. us, Mimi. So yes. yeah, that I, I, th- I think that's fantastic. So, all right. So, but you know what I got, I got to, I've got to, you know, we didn't talk about that beforehand. 
And and I got to admit, I, at first I was thinking, oh no, is she going to say like yesterday or something? You know, this could be kind of a, an interesting twist on the interview. <laughs> well, it's over since yesterday. My sobriety date is yesterday. <laughs> All right. So like you said, you now you are in Italy right now. Is that correct? Yes, it's crazy, John. I'm on vacation. Who would have thought after that crazy time that we have been through the whole world that I would be on vacation? Yes, we are. And it's 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 a perfect surrounding. It's a perfect little place on Lake Garda. And um, I'm having a good time. Good for you. So I want to tell people how we met. You had reached out through uh, Instagram. Yes. And just basically was very complimentary. You said, thank you so much. I enjoyed listening to your podcast, et cetera, et cetera. And then you happened to mention at some point that you were born in Croatia. Mm-hmm. You lived in Germany, but you sent a voice message through Instagram. And I could tell that you spoke very good English. <laughs> and my thought was, my goodness, I I would love to, you know, I've been wanting to co- kind of go with more of an international flair, you know, so we can get uh, stories. <laughs> here out from, and here we are. I said, <laughs> what what better fit? And you're in Italy right now, you know. Well, super, super international. I found you. I, 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 I don't know how I find you, found you, but I found you um, in the beginning of my sober days as I traveled a lot um, for work and I couldn't attend meetings all of the time. Uh, I started to listen to your podcast and uh, it gave me hope. It gave me strength. Uh, it gave me goosebumps. I cried. I laughed. I, I found myself almost in every podcast. And, um, this is the reason why, why I wrote you, actually, just to say thank you and thank you for your time. Thank you for all of the people, all of my fellows that told their stories, because obviously there are people that listen to them and uh, find some strength and hope in them. Ah, oh, you're sweet. And uh, well, that's what we all do with each other, don't we? We, yeah. we help each other and we're all in this together, right? It's a we program, as we always say. Yes, it's beautiful. The saying is beautiful. It's a wee program, exactly. So how many languages do you speak? Not so many, actually. English, uh, Croatian, and German. Some French and some Spanish, but not that much. No, it's <laughs> not. not. It's like I, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, have a conversation, neither in, in French nor in Spanish. I could listen to a conversation and probably understand some few things. But... Uh, perfectly in German and in um, Croatian. Well, you sound pretty good in English, too. My only two languages are English and Pig Latin. Do you know what Pig Latin is? <laughs> no, what's Pig Latin? <laughs> it's like a, where you say, Emi, May, is, is, is your... Oh, it's yeah, a, my it's mom, a silly my mom language. that, too. <laughs> okay. And nonetheless, all right. So, so you talked a little bit about your your work there on the beginning, mm-hmm. and I want to go ahead and uh, uh, start there. So tell, uh, so tell people what you do for work because it's a kind of it, to me it's interesting at least. I'm an actress. I work as an actress, and I'm an author. I write books, and uh, I work in the entertainment industry for 25 years now, and um, it's. Yeah, you know, it I'm it sounds weird when I say that about myself, but I'm I'm kind of known. <laughs> You're kind of what? Known. 
you know, right. people know me. People watch TV right. and know me. And it's uh it's 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 weird if someone says that about um themselves, but sometimes people recognize me on the street. So it was um a thing for me being an addict and work in the industry and have to hide myself from Did anybody know that you had an issue while you were working in the industry? Well, people that worked with me certainly knew. Nobody talked about it, not with me. Behind my back, they did, certainly. But um, I outed myself. I went public um, a few weeks ago. <laughs> a few weeks ago? Yes, it's very fresh. And it. I thought maybe it's too early after almost two years, but, you know, I thought, why hide? Because, you know, when you go on Instagram and do 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 stories on Instagram and people ask you about your lifestyle and you say, you do drink, I, I, I don't drink anymore, I quit smoking too. And they ask me why. And I thought I betrayed my soul and myself and the program if I say it's just a lifestyle and I don't like alcohol because it's not the truth. And uh, the truth was that I almost died and that I would have been dead by now if I couldn't stop drinking. So it just happened, actually. <laughs> I just did it. I told it on Instagram in a story and uh, tabloids wrote about it. And then I did some interviews and said, yeah, it's the truth. I'm an addict, but I'm sober and sobriety is beautiful and addiction is a disease and not a character failure. Um, and it, I don't know what happened, but it was an avalanche of positive reactions. So what, so describe that the more of the, the reaction from the, b both your friends and family, those who may have been shocked, whatever the case may be. And then the general public a as a whole. Well, my family knew everyone in my surrounding knew that I was drinking and that I'm sober now. And, um, Obviously, I, I did not hide that because I'm attending DAA meetings since 2010. So I had uh, quite a few relapses before I became sober for good. You know, I well, if I say became sober for good, it's um, it's a miracle because you know when it happens. You know, you know the feeling. You you know this is it. It's like falling in love with the person. You know it's love and you know this is sobriety. So I tried and tried and tried eight years and then I became sober. Through all, through all the time I tried, my family was with me, obviously, and my friends knew and my colleagues knew. Everyone knew and everyone knew that I sobered up, so I didn't have to tell them. The only, the only people and the only, you know, the public did not know. They had a picture of, of me and the reactions were like, I didn't, I didn't think that you're an alcoholic. You don't look like an alcoholic. Uh, did you drink every day? They have that picture of how an alcoholic should look like, uh, like a bomb lying on the streets and drinking booze all day and not a, a person that is fully functioning. I was a classical functional alcoholic. And the reaction was so amazing um, and touching to me because... 90% of the 100% that wrote me were female. And they they said, like, it's uh, so good to, to have a face now, to have someone who is there and who made it, because I didn't think that I might be an alcoholic. And now I think I might be an alcoholic. 
And I started to talk with people and to write with people. And unfortunately, um, because of that Corona thing, <laughs> yeah. the meetings weren't open. And so they couldn't, people that, that reached out for help couldn't go to the meetings. But now meetings start again in Germany. So I think, yeah. And on the way, uh, two, two a woman sobered up with me. That's a great gift. That's so uh, good. That's that is. It makes me cry if I think about it because we all know it's the best if you help as a as a as a person that attends the AA meetings. Another person that wants to sober up to get sober and to stay sober. It's the yes. best. It's the yeah. best. <laughs> Okay, so let's go back a little bit. I started yeah. with present day. Let's see, you, you're from Croatia, right? I, yeah. uh, 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 tell me about Croatia. What it was like growing up in Croatia? I was born in Yugoslavia. It was not Croatia at that time. I was born 1975 in a communism, communism country, Yugoslavia, in a military hospital during a soccer game. <laughs> Not on the field, but the, the, the <laughs> stadium was, my mom always says that because the stadium was close to the military hospital. So this is the day I was born. It's the 11th of September. Obviously, <laughs> the 11th of September is my birthday too. My mom was, my mom just turned 18 in August and I was born in September. So she was very, very young. My dad is 10 years older. After uh, I was born and after she gave birth to me, she left with my dad to Germany. Guest worker, guest workers did that. You know, they left the children with the families of the of of one of the parents, mom or dad, and I stayed with my dad's parents. They wanted to earn some money and come back, so I had uh, two years of my childhood with my grandparents and with my uncles and with my aunts and with my cousins, and I was like a little trophy that everyone. I cared for and cherished and I had the best time. And even if, if I was very little, I, I really do remember a lot of things like being super free. And I had that, you know, I don't know if I, if I, if it's just my imagination or it, it, if it really happened, but I felt I belonged to that family. It was like a hippie household, you know, everyone mm -hmm. lived together and the children had one big room where they slept and everything was free and it was a big farm and we had a lot of animals. But in the meantime, my very young mom, she got sick with grief because she missed me so, so badly. Mm -hmm. And then they came one summer and took me to Germany. This is this was the beginning of, of Germany, actually. And how old were you when you got to Germany? Two, two years old. Okay, gotcha. All right, so so you you get into Germany, and uh, uh, I guess tell me a little bit about your, um, you know, growing up there and what it was like, and you know, wh what do you think are major milestones that led you into who be being who you are today? Well, my mom and dad, they had to work a lot in Germany and um, still I was always with them and it was a good upbringing. It was, it, I had a good childhood. I was a happy kid until I was six. And then um, my mom got pregnant again and my baby sister was born very sick. 
and uh, she had to be in hospitals for two, three years, and friends of my parents took care of me. And this was the time, I think this was the beginning of of the alcoholic me, um, because bad things happened, obviously, and things that shouldn't have happened to a kid. I think uh, this was it. My my happy childhood was over. My my sister was sick. Bad things happened to me. My parents couldn't protect me because obviously they had two kids that were that had needed to be protected, but they did not know that the older one was in such danger with people they trusted. Well, my my sister she she made it through the sickness. She's she she it was good one day. She it it just disappeared. It was wonder, but it disappeared. And I was a teenager by then. Started to be a teenager, and um, I started to drink. <laughs> and I felt like this is it. This is it. I totally remember, John, when I had my first drink. I thought this is my thing. I can just disappear out of myself and forget who I am and what I am. And what happened to me? You know, it was, I always felt in my teenage years or what, when I was an, a, an upgrowing kid, I always felt like I don't belong here. Like I'm not from earth. Like I, like my parents are not my parents. Like my life is not my life. Like I had so many questions in my head. Why do I feel so, why do I feel so weak? Why, why do I feel so sad? Why do I have that strange feelings about myself and about the world you know the trauma i experienced was so heavy that i put it away in a box i just needed something to 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 make that feeling go away and it was definitely alcohol mm. and this was it this was the beginning okay so oh gosh so what i'm picking up from this is that you experienced uh, abuse and trauma yeah. when your sister was yeah. sick and then you had mm -hmm. to pack that away and the way you dealt with that is that you dealt with it through the alcohol do you remember your first drink uh, and what happened after you started drinking oh i remember my first drink better than i remember my first kiss <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. My friend came. She came over for New Year's Eve, and um, we went to the cellar of my parents' house. They had a party upstairs, and um, uh, we we wanted to drink something. It was very very um, exciting. And she drank one or two beer, I remember, and threw up the whole night. And I drank the rest. I don't. I think it were eight bottles or something. It was a loss of control from the very beginning, and I felt so good about it. I really, I don't know, I, f I felt like this is my thing. I want to have it again. And I was so sick in the evening and so sick the next morning, and still I thought I want to have it again. When can I have it again? I remember that feeling. Mm -hmm. I remember the feeling of the, the dizzy feeling in my body. Like, yeah, and I... I you know, the strange thing is, I never was very self-confident 
as a kid and later as a teenager, I was I no confidence at all. Whenever I drank, I thought, ooh, I'm not that bad. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> if, you hear, if you hear strange voices, there is a helicopter landing pad <laughs> from the hotel. It's weird. <laughs> oh, really? No, I can't hear it, but... But stay safe. Yeah, I'm I'm inside. It's outside. It's very cool. So, <laughs> yeah. So okay, so take me from that point then. So you 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 experience your first drink. You find that it's a, a magical. It's better than your first kiss, in fact, and, yeah. or at least it's more memorable. I should say. I, I don't know how to put that. <laughs> and better. And better. <laughs> Well, whoever gave you your first kiss, if they're listening, sorry, sorry, folks. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, so so you're uh, you're you're experiencing your your first drink. Did so? Did you turn into a daily drinker after that? Did you? Was it more sporadic? Uh, when did you go back to the alcohol? Oh, it took me some more months to go back to alcohol. It was the summer after. Um, in Croatia, actually, I went uh, out with my cousins and we had a, a dancing night and I didn't tell my parents that I go out because I was at her house and I was still 14. And um, I'm my parents were very strict Catholic household, you know, and um, we went out with some guys from the city uh, friends of, of hers and uh, we had beer and uh it was the same like on New Year's Eve with my friend. They had two beer. I had the rest of them. And I was super wasted, like super, super wasted. And um, I knew from the beginning that my drinking behavior is not normal. At least I knew it's not the behavior I see in other teenagers or adults. You know, I was always drinking. I, I drank and I couldn't stop. And it was it was immediately the same way. And from that summer on, I drank. I, d I didn't drink daily on a daily base. Never ever. Not even after. Um, not even in my in my later years. But whenever I drank, I drank without any control. All right. So take me then, if you will, kind of a on a bullet point trip from that time up until your first meeting in AA, uh, which was in 2010. I mean, obviously something, you know, even though you recognize at that time you were not drinking like a normal person, it's not like you just stopped and decided to go to AA, right? There was a lot of steps in between. So can you take me through that period in your life? Well, as a teenager or as a young adult, everyone drinks. Partying is super normal. You know, if you party, you party. And it was not like I was the only one drunk. Everyone around me was drinking and drunk. I was drinking faster and more, but drinking was not a nothing unusual. So it took me many, many years to understand that the drinking issue that I have is an issue. And, um, you know, the first time I remember that I thought, well, Mimi, you, I think you have a problem is when I um, got pregnant with my daughter. I was 25. I married very quickly. Well, this was a thing too. <laughs> Marrying. <laughs> <on alcohol. laughs> I married very quickly. I was 23. I just wanted 
I, I knew why I married him. I just wanted to escape from myself, thought, okay, a marriage, a new family, uh, someone I could take care of, forget about myself. And um, I married, then I got pregnant, I, and I um, had my daughter, and I was breastfeeding her. And through the whole time of breastfeeding, and I didn't drink when I was pregnant, but through the whole time of breastfeeding, I thought, when is that over? When is it over so I can have my booze? When is it over? When is it over? I want it to be over. I didn't enjoy being a young mom. I just thought about when will I have the last, uh, when will I have not the last, when will I have the next drink? And as soon as I stopped breastfeeding, the first thing was, really the first thing was wine and cigarettes. Mm. And when I stood on the balcony, Lighting up the cigarette, opening the bottle of wine, I drank it so quickly. I didn't drink water that quickly, and I was the feeling, the the the, the ease I, I felt. And um, when I opened the second bottle after I didn't drink for so many months, I thought, well, this is a problem. It's a problem. I'm a drink. I, I'm a drunk. And this was the first time I thought, maybe I'm an alcoholic. Yeah, and that's what it says in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, as you know, is that it's not so much how often that we drink, mm -hmm. it's what happens when we drink. Yeah. And a lot of people will think, well, I, you know, I stayed sober for a year or whatever the case may be. So I'm definitely not an alcoholic. But as you know, that's not always the case. Let me take a little break here real quick, uh, mm -hmm. Mimi. We will be continuing our conversation with Mimi F in just a moment. Just a reminder, you are listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the World Wide Web at www.soberspeak.com. There you will find approximately 150 or so uh, other episodes you can listen to for free. You can also find the donate button on our website, which you can use if and only if the spirit moves you to do such. Please keep in mind, this is a podcast funded by you the listeners. So Sober Speak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. We do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor opposes any causes. All right. Now back to Miss uh, Mimi here. So, <laughs> all right. So you have figured out that you are probably not a normal, so to speak, drinker. Uh, you're opening that second bottle of wine after you have uh, finished uh, breastfeeding your child, and now you're kind of in a pickle. So what was your thought process from there moving forward? Uh, it happened so quickly. Everything after happened so quickly. It was just a downfall. It was, I was heading so quickly towards rock bottom that I couldn't even say A. I said AA 2010 then. There, there were certain steps where I could tell that I'm not only losing control while I drink, I'm losing life control. I brought myself into situations that weren't, first of all, they weren't pretty elegant for a young married woman with a child. Sometimes I drank so much that I totally forgot to go to bed. I just fell asleep in the kitchen so um whatever would have ha have had happened with my child or in, with my husband or whatever the house burning i i wouldn't have be able to react because i was so drunk these were the first steps in my marriage 
then I we divorced um, because I quickly realized after I married that I married a guy that is not compatible with me and I'm not with him. And then I moved into uh, a flat with my daughter and uh, started to drink alone all of the time. Whenever she was at her dad's house, I drank. I just didn't go out with friends or socialize or something. Whenever I had the opportunity, I drank. And this was in my 30s, the beginning of my 30s, when I totally lost control. Okay, so help me with the timeline here. Uh, So I know your first meeting was in 2010. Yeah. Uh, When is it that you moved into the flat with your daughter? I mean, just approximately. It was 2005. Okay, so you have five more years before you make it into AA. Yes. Uh, How, um, I'm assuming life during those five years had it uh, had its ups and downs wow ups and downs is is <laughs> so <laughs> not describing it it was so down because <laughs> <laughs> i was down everything was down i i had fired for custody i had a very 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 heavy divorce battle it was about money. It was about, well, it was about my child, our child. It was, I, you know, I had, I had so many battlefields, not only alcohol, but how to keep my life going on, how to earn money. Because obviously, if, you, if you're not um, good with yourself, uh, your aura is not that good that people want to hire you as the actress for the next movie. Nobody called me nobody called me i had no jobs so i had to find other jobs than acting and to in that time i was already known so whenever i th- whenever i asked somebody to work as a way well in america it's maybe usual that you do that but in germany it's not that usual that you go work for an actress like everyone in la does as an actor so i needed to to find jobs and i needed to to go on with my life and on the other side i was drinking more and more so in the in the spare time between 2005 and 2010, I was feeling like I'm sitting in an airplane that is crushing towards a mountain, and there is no stop. And I was totally aware of this. There was no mm. nothing that has any power to stop me beside stop drinking. And when I say I attended my first AA meeting in 2010. It didn't mean that I stopped 2010, obviously. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there was eight years between when you first got there and uh, then when you sobered up. Yeah. So, uh, and, and you know, and I have uh, experienced that myself. And they say that uh, when you have a head full of AA mm-hmm. and a belly full of booze, <laughs> uh, it does not mix very well. No. Uh, <laughs> I never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's not a good mix, not no. a good combination. So I'm assuming you were experiencing some of that during that 8 years of in and out, correct? Yes, and I wanted to stop so badly. I really felt like the biggest loser of all times because I thought why can't I? Why can't I stop? Where is that miracle everyone talks about? And d- when you would go into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, did were you recognized at that time? Yes, 
Yes. Was that a hindrance to get air, an impediment to getting sober? No, not at all. No, it was, uh, there was one funny situation um, when I attended a meeting in Berlin. An old lady came to me and she had her 40th sobriety birthday and she said, you know what's very funny? You look like that actress, Mimi. You do so <laughs> look like her. And I said, well, I am her. And she was like, oh, you talk like her. That's so funny. I was like, I, I actually am her. And she didn't believe. <laughs> because, you know, Germany is not that advanced in, in the you know maybe it's uh, um, maybe people that work for television or are known in the united states it's like going to a psychologist going to the aa meeting it's totally different in germany you know she did not mm. think that i was me <laughs> that was very funny <laughs> When I, I, you know, we, we've done a little talking offline before and uh, you told me about a time to where uh, your daughter, it, it was kind of a turning point for you, if I'm not mistaken. She had some sort of heartbreak over your not being able to stop drinking. C can you describe that? It was not only in heartbreak. She thought that I'm dead because this was uh, 2000. Let me think. She was seven. She was born in 2002. Yes, this was 2009. Did you say she thought you were dead? Yes. Uh, she found me laying on the floor. And I usually did never drink when, she's, when she was at home. I only drank when she was at her dad's house. And um, it was a winter day. It was very, very heavily uh, snowing outside in and, and that night. And I drank, I usually drank only white wine. <laughs> white wine and champagne was my thing but that night i had no white wine and i couldn't go to uh to the gas station in, in at the gas stations in germany you can buy booze <laughs> and i um couldn't go because it was so so heavily snowing and i had wa red wine at home which i usually did not drink and i drank two bottles of red wine and fell asleep on the floor and uh was super wasted and she woke up the next morning and I was lying on the floor face down and she tried to wake me up and I I I just pa I was passed I passed a pa I was passed I don't know I had a blackout and um she ran out of the door to to go to to friend's house who was a neighbor too and she had no shoes on and they couldn't get in because the door was slammed and they had to smash a window. Then I woke up, and this is a. I I I know exactly. This will be one of the things that I will see in front of my eyes before I die. That situation, that look on her face, that expression, the panic she had, the everything that everything that I know I did to her was in that moment in her face. She never experienced anything like that again with me. But it was a trauma for her. Have you all talked about it since you've gotten sober? Oh, yes. Yes, we talked about so many things. I was all, always open about my addiction to her. You know, I, I couldn't talk to her when she was a child because obviously her only, the only thing she needed to be in her life was being a child and not take care of her drunk mom. But when she got older, I tried to explain to her that an addiction is a disease and I'm, that I'm 
trying to help myself and I promised her one day I will be sober. She got me, a, she made me a cake when, when I had my first sobriety, <laughs> my oh. first sobriety year. And she um, put the cake in front of my, you know, in front of my room where I sleep in the house and with a card saying that she's very proud of my, of me and that she never, ever, that she never doubted it. That I yeah. it, and she's very proud of my of me, and that's <gasps> the biggest compliment. Yeah. Oh, God bless you. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, all right. So let's go up to your first meeting in AA. Do you remember your first meeting in Alcoholics Anonymous? Oh my, I do. <laughs> I lost my driving license, two thousand and ten, for like DUI or something. Yeah, I was. Hmm. Of course I did. I'm the, it's, you know, I, I did. <laughs> and I went to a clinic, not for, for not in a rehab, uh, um, uh, no, not clinic, uh, in a hospital. I went in a, in a hospital, in, into a hospital because I really felt like I probably had a burnout or something. One of the doctors who always fell asleep when I talked, his name was Mr. Becker. If he listens to this, he will be very proud of me because he told me, to go to the AAs. The meeting was Aww. inside the house, inside the building. Um, it, I, I remember exactly walking downstairs and would, it was a dark cellar. People were very old, like 70, 80, 90 years old. And I went into it and they could still smoke and they smoked. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was smoking. So I went into the, into the room and I was like, why the hell are they here when they're so, so long? So I one, his name is Richard. He knows that I will mention him. He's 50 years sober now. And I, I thought, why the hell are they going to the AAs if they're sober for so many years? I just didn't, didn't understand the system. Um, I, I was by far the youngest. And I, but I stayed and I listened. And everyone and everyone's story was similar to mine. And it was, it was an epiphany. I was like, "There, we're the same." This is my home meeting today. <laughs> this meeting is my became my home meeting, <laughs> my home gang. People are getting older. I'm getting older too. Yeah, this was my first meeting. So you go to your first meeting. That was so. That was 2010, right? So, 2010 to 2018, mm. uh, more ups and downs, I'm assuming. Uh, was it more downs than ups again, or a little of both? Tell me about that time. Financially, I got back on my feet. Uh, everyone knows I'm an alcoholic. Everyone knows I'm doing the best I can to get sober. And you, when you say everyone, you're talking about the people that you work with? My family, uh, yes, everyone. And your family, mm -hmm. okay. And the funny thing is that my parents uh, said, well, please don't walk around telling everyone that you're an alcoholic. And I was like, why not? They were like, my mom said, but you are not an alcoholic. You don't look like an alcoholic. You are, you, you have maybe a little drinking issue. And I thought like, well, you know that I don't have a little drinking issue because she found me drunk and she knew exactly how I drank. And they were like embarrassed about the fact that I might tell everyone that I'm an alcoholic. So 
I had really, I had to fight for the right to say that I am an alcoholic. And this is something I don't want to hide because whenever I try to hide that I'm drinking, it led me to drinking. And to free myself about myself helped me step by step to get to the point where I am now. But it really took me eight years to to work on it, to understand that I have to work the program. Actually, my first sponsor helped me with that. That was in the summer of 2018. <laughs> I was sitting in one of the rooms. I attended many, many meetings all around Germany and Croatia. And whenever I, wherever I worked, I was in an A meeting. And I was in one meeting. There was a girl sitting. She would smile if she would hear it because she's not a girl anymore, but she looks like a girl. <laughs> and she said something like, well, people, it's like going to the gym and sitting in a corner and watching the people rehearse and wondering why they get fitter and you don't. And it made click. And I was like, yeah, I can go to meetings. I can go and listen. But if I do not work the program, nothing will happen. It works if you work it. That's right. It works if you work it. So talk about that a little bit. So, so something happened in 2018. You said, you the is that the sponsor that you still have yeah. today? No, I don't okay. have her today. We, we, we have a little pause because of Corona and everything that happens now because I moved to another city in Germany. I married the right one. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I married before the wrong ones. I was engaged several times because I have the disease to please. It's very hard to say <laughs> no. So I said yes. <laughs> the disease to please. Huh? I've never heard that one. See, no, I've never heard that one. <laughs> this is not right, mine. So. The disease to please is actually something that Oprah Winfrey said. And I thought it's something that really could be my sentence. Oh. Yes. Gotcha. Oprah. Good. Mm -hmm. Oprah. <gasps> yes, I know her. I mean, I don't know her, know her, but I know Everyone of her. I, I love her. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, you know, um, it took me so long to get sober because um, I obviously had to deal with things. I wasn't ready. I I just was not ready. I needed it. And it, it's weird to say that, but I, I needed to, to bring myself really, really down to rock bottom to understand this is not the place I want to be. This is not who I am. This is not who I want to be. I don't want to be that person because I'm much better than that. I can do much better than that. And I always, always knew deep in my heart, if I do sober up, I can do anything I want to. I understood that sobriety will become my superpower. And it did. Sobriety will become my superpower. I think that is probably going to be the title of this episode. Would you be okay with that? Oh, so okay. <laughs> <laughs> because sobriety is my superpower. I'm so describe that a little bit of, and what that means to you. You know, the beginning was was very euphoric. I think everyone knows the euphor the, the feeling when you when you uh, realize I'm getting sober. 
I'm getting sober. When days pass, 24 hours after 24 hours after 24 hours, then you have your first week, you have your first month, you have your first two, three, four months. And you have all these episodes like the euphoria, then comes then comes a little depression, then whatever. People are different, but I think in a, in in some way it's it's um not that different. It's there are some similarities. When the, when the, that first year passed, and when I realized this is me now, I get I got to know myself because I did not know myself without alcohol. I, I started with fourteen. All my years, all my teenage years, all my adult years, I drank. I never knew myself without without booze and without alcohol. And after that year, I understood I'm so strong. I'm so strong in sobriety. I'm I'm and I couldn't accept I'm a good person. I'm not a loser. I'm not a bad mother. I'm not a bad partner. I'm not a bad daughter, friend. I'm not a liar anymore. I'm, you know, the lying. Oh my God, did I lie? Not only to myself, to all the other people. Just to just to be alone with my alcohol. Just to just to drink. And when I realized it's all gone, I was like, I, I felt like superwoman, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, I can fly. <laughs> <laughs> and this is my feeling. When I do write my my um, gratitude list in the evening, um, I'm so thankful. I'm so ha- I'm not al- I'm not always happy, obviously. People you know, it's it's not like everything's good. There are bad times too. But the bad times are okay. And this is the superpower thing. We get the tools to handle those bad times yeah. that we never had before, right? I get it. Well, maybe is there anything else you want to add before we go? Look at it. This, so so think of it this way. There are going to be people listening in all four corners of the world. Uh, some of them are just starting their journey in sobriety. Um, some of them are tentative about whether this can or cannot work for them. They've seen it work for other people, but they don't believe it can work for them. Can you share some experience, strength, and hope in that arena uh, in terms of uh, just just your experience with those sorts of thoughts going on possibly inside yourself? What helped me the most is the acceptance that it was nobody's fault that I drank. It was not the fault of my parents. It was not the fault of my upbringing. It was not the fault, even not the fault of the molester who did bad things to me. It was not the fault of my ex-husbands. It was not the fault of life, of love, of whatever. It was no one's fault. It's a sickness. Addiction is a disease. And when you get aware that the disease is inside your body, and your brain, and your heart, the only thing that will help you is not to focus on what has happened in your life, but to focus on what will happen if I do stop drinking. And I promise only better things. God bless you, Mimi. I so much have appreciated your time. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for taking time out of your schedule on vacation. Thank you uh, in, for inviting in, me. 
Yes, in Italy. Italy. Say hello to all the people in Italy. Yeah, we could say uh, it's a one spicy meatball. That's what when you know. order dinner tonight. Say, can I have a one spicy meatball, please? I'm so sorry. That's my that's my <laughs> bad Italian. Very bad Italian. <laughs> it's good Italian. <laughs> it's a good man. Italian. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> Italian. It's a good podcast episode. It's anyway. a good podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for inviting me. And I want to thank you yeah. really for the time you take to let people tell their stories. It's a very, very great gift. Yeah, well, it's a labor of love, and I sure do appreciate that. Yeah. God bless you. Uh, I'm going to read before we uh, get off here. Page 164 from the big book. Page 164 says, Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to Him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, Miss Mimi, I sure do appreciate you coming in to join me today. Have a great rest of your vacation. Thank you very much, John. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Danke, 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 Miss Mimi. Or is it danke shin? And you can't see it, but I'm scratching my head right now going, can you use both danke and danke shin? Or, and I'm pretty sure, by the way, danke does mean thank you in German, uh, but I don't know what the shin part does to it. Nonetheless, Donka Shin, Miss Mimi, I sure do appreciate you coming in here and sharing your time with the Sober Speak listeners. And uh, for those of you out there in Germany land who are listening to this, welcome. Uh, we are glad you are here, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. I most certainly did. And you know what? I, I was I was thinking that we'd end up talking about, I don't know, like football. Well, football in Germany, which is soccer to us mm, idiotic Americans over here. We didn't talk about beer. Uh, we didn't talk about sausage. Uh, we didn't talk about castles. Uh, we didn't even talk about the German cars that are all over the world and I so appreciate. But we just spoke about a silly old recovery story. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but maybe next time we have a, a German on the podcast, we could talk about some of those other things. None the less. Enough of my silliness. Now on to just a little bit of a listener feedback today. And I'm going to read this. This was actually posted in our super secret Facebook group. And Ange posted, well, I think it's Ange. It could be NG. So let me ask you this, folks. How would you pronounce this? A-N-G-E. So that is either short for Angie and is Ange, or it is another way of spelling Angie. Just kind of a, a short, cute kind of way of spelling Angie. I have no idea. Nonetheless, she's posted in there. And she said, hi, everyone. And that includes me. I'm part of everyone. She said, I just finished listening to podcasts 
episodes number 145 and 146 with David G. They were amazing. The two quotes that had the most impact on me were, quote, I have finally given up the right to a better past. And it's crazy that people would rather die than to work the steps, unquote. And those are two quotes, by the way. One was, I've finally given up the right to a better past. And it's crazy that people would rather die than to work these steps. They both gave me chills, she said, as I can totally relate to them. I'm so thankful to AA. Uh, I'm thankful to Sober Podcast, and I love the encouragement from family and friends. At least I will have a great future I can remember because I did, in capital letters, decide to start working the steps. I look forward to hearing from Mr. David G. again in the future. Happy 24 hours to all. And then we had somebody named Don D in the group that replied, when I first heard that quote, I had tears falling down my cheeks. Very, very powerful. And then David G, who happens to be in the super secret Facebook group, replied back to all of them. And he said, hey, He actually said hi there, but you get the general idea. It's been great to be in touch with you. It's so awesome to read how Sober Speak has touched so many people. It's like we are going to meetings together and helping each other just across the internet instead of in person. Your comments made me very thankful tonight. I spent my free time this week trying to help one of us get sober. It seems like it was a failure, but I know it's what keeps me sober. Hearing from you guys is a very pleasant reminder of that. We are making a difference. Thank you. Thanks for writing that, Mr. David G. I appreciate it. And I always loved, just absolutely love hearing about these guests that we bring in and how they have impacted you and how they've impacted others. And I love it when the speaker or the guest on the podcast them itself can, can interact with you all. It's just absolutely fantastic. And we have, as you know, a lot of those people that are in the super secret Facebook group. All right, everybody, that is a wrap for this week. God bless you. Keep coming back. It works if you work it, like Mimi said in this episode. And we will look forward. I will most likely be back next week. As I always say, it is one week at a time. Love to to all of you guys. I would say, <coughs> excuse me, I would say love in German, but I don't know how to say love in German. So let's just say uh, love in English to all of you. I'm trying to think of something silly as I go off the air here, but it's not going to work. So God bless you and keep coming back. It works if you work it.